for free and can you take a moment and just give him some praise if you've experienced the faithfulness of the father can you take a moment and just say thank you jesus hallelujah being a christian does not give you a hall pass on persecution being a follower of Christ does not give you a get-out-of-jail-free card for trials or tribulations, bills that need to be paid, sickness and disease, but what it does give you is a constant companion and a constant friend that sticketh closer than a brother. A peace in the midst of the storm, a song in the middle of the night, that is what He is. And I am so thankful for it today. It is good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. What a wonderful presence of God that we already feel. Anticipating God continuing to move. So good to see each of you. Amen. To our guests, welcome to the Pentecostals of Fuquay. Amen. We are so thrilled that you are here. I have not had an opportunity to mention this um, but recently we gave, uh, Pastor Barbara was mentioning your faithfulness in offering. I wanted to say this to you. Um, those of you that participated in our Christmas for Christ giving, many of you may remember that. It was envelopes that you picked up and you gave to Christmas for Christ. You may have seen a video that played. Christmas for Christ goes to support uh, North American missionaries starting new churches here in North America, uh, churches just like Fuquay Varina that needed help when we first began. Christmas for Christ was there, and it was a grant that allowed us to buy our first piece of property. And so we participated in a Christmas for Christ giving back in December. And I want to say thank you. Our church gave a record-breaking offering of $6,000 to Christmas for Christ. Give yourself a hand. Thank you for your faithful giving. Know that you are investing in the greatest thing on the planet, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God. I, too, am very excited uh, about our new vans. Uh, Brother Shaw wanted me to mention uh, that that was not a one-man operation, that there were a number of people that work with him uh, that attend our church. I know Brother Bobby, Brother Reuben, and uh, Brother Shaw's family, they all work there, and I anticipate it was a team effort. So. Uh, you know who you are. God's going to reward you and bless you. Thank you so very much for all the sacrifice that went into that. There are a few uh, here this morning that would appreciate that even more than some. If you were a part of Sister Renee and I's first youth group a long, long, none of your business time ago, then you will remember the old Betsy Blue Van. How many remember the old Betsy Blue Van? The old Betsy Blue Van would not idle. It would only stay running if you were moving. And so we would load the youth group up. I remember one time in particular, we loaded the youth group up, took them to Greenville, North Carolina for a sectional youth rally. Everyone had on their best and finest clothes and we were all excited this was one of the first times that we got to venture out as a real youth group we had enough people to take a trip we were so excited 
Unfortunately, we did have to go in Betsy Blue. And so we pulled into the parking lot of the church. Church was wonderful. Thankfully, the van fired back up as we were ready to leave, but we decided that we were going to eat at McDonald's. And we went into the McDonald's or pulled into the parking lot there, and there was about 100 kids from churches all around that were there. And there was our youth group. And unfortunately, because we could not part and it would uh, die and you just didn't know if it was going to start or not, we had to circle the parking lot and kids would jump out two at a time. And everyone else in Section 4, North Carolina Youth Department, had their noses pressed to the McDonald's glass, laughing as two kids at a time would jump out as I circled the parking lot. And then once everyone was finished eating and I had burned through about $100 in gas circling the parking lot, two at a time would run along and jump on the van like a moving train. So if you were a part of that humiliating experience, you can now thank God for two wonderful vans that run good and they look good. Thank you. Oh, Lord, those were the days. I welcome back our pastoral team. They have been an apostolic encounter in Virginia for the past uh, two or three days, and I'm so thankful they were able to go and be blessed. They give so much, and I want them to be blessed so that they can give. Ministry is out of the overflow. If every bit of your Holy Ghost just helps you survive and go to heaven, then you're not helping anybody else. And so these type of conferences help them to minister out of the overflow. John chapter 1. So glad to see my mother-in-law in the house of the Lord today. Amen. And I'll get in trouble for that right there. But anyway, John chapter 1, verse 12. Ironically enough, my dad, having no idea what I was going to preach this week, he used this verse last week. And I thought, well, you dirty dog. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become, to change, to transform, to be something different. The power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. The Amplified Version says, but to as many as did receive and welcome him, he gave the authority, the power the privilege, the right to become the children of God. To those who believe, adhere to, trust in, and rely on His name. I am going to start our three-part series this morning entitled Real Change. Real Change. Sister Bethany has informed me that it is not Harnett County proper to say real change. She said, Pastor, that should be real change. And I'm more comfortable with that anyway. So it may come out real change or it may come out real change at different points today. So whether you're from Harnett County or you're like a lot of folks in our church, you moved in here uh, and you need real change or you need real change. Either one, I'm telling you, the power of the Holy Ghost can help you achieve that this morning. Can help you achieve that. real change today we'll be talking about going in circles how many have ever seen a chihuahua chase its tail sometimes i feel like that i just 
I'm going in circles. I'm covering the same ground. That is not the will of God when it comes to your spiritual walk. You should be growing. Amen. Growing in God, becoming more than you were yesterday and certainly last year. Let's pray together. God, thank you for your presence. Thank you, God, for allowing me to minister your word one more time. Your word is anointed. Help me to communicate that anointed word today. Let the ears hear. Let the heart receive, God. Let the mind comprehend and let the feet obey, God. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Turn to your neighbor and whatever, wherever you're from, tell them. Give, today you're going to experience real change. Real change. One question. How's that New Year's resolution going? I didn't intend on waiting to March to preach this, but it just feels like it may be better now than when I was going to preach it. So that gentle chuckle tells me probably not as well as you had hoped. That's okay. You're in good company. According to a study of 40 million people, it's probably not going well. Incorporated Magazine wrote about this study and found out that the vast majority of us quit our resolutions by the second Friday in January. And so by now, you probably can't even remember what it was. The vast majority of us started out with really good intentions, but we didn't follow through. And the sad news is that so many of us, we have our goals, but by the end of the year, we'll still weigh more than we wanted to weigh. We'll still spend more money than we actually make. We'll still want to read the Bible daily, but we won't. We'll want to have a consistent walk with God and a consistent daily prayer life, but many of us won't. And so I, I want to cover today and over the next several weeks about those of you that want to change, those of us that hope to change, and even those that have tried to change, but now at where you are at, you're not even sure that change is possible. There's been so many false starts. There's been so many attempts. There's been so much effort. It's not like you haven't tried. It's not like you have not had good intentions, but because there has been a lack of result, because there's been a lack of progress in these change, many of you have become discouraged and given up. But I want to tell you today through the Holy Ghost, real transformative change is possible through the Holy Ghost and through the leadership of God's Word. The reason we are calling this series Real Change is because what a lot of people call change is really just temporary improvement. Temporary improvement. It's a slightly better versions of themselves for a short period of time. This kind of change ultimately becomes counterproductive because after a few false starts, you just kind of give up altogether. And you tell yourself, well, it's just my personality. It's just my family characteristics. Uh, it's just, it must be what God wants me to be, or I like this one. It's just the cross I got to bear. 
We try to put a spiritual twist in it because we probably have already given up on actually making some real changes in our life. And so we will say, and I say we because I have been there and I am even there now with some things. Why even try? Because it's temporary. It doesn't last. However, I want to come to tell you today that real change is permanent. It's life-altering. It's destiny-changing. And it is cycle-breaking in your life. I don't care how many generations of family members you've had that have been in that cycle and have been going in that circle and have faced that addiction and have had that problem. I've come to tell you today, real change is possible through the baptism of the Holy Ghost and the infusion of God's Spirit. It is possible today. When I think about real change versus temporary change, I look at nature for a moment to demonstrate this concept. Did you know that chameleons change their colors for two basic reasons? I was surprised to find this out. Surprise, surprise, Brother David. Brother David builds my PowerPoint, but then he'll send it to me and God will give me something else to add to it. So it was a little bit in there you didn't know about. Chameleons change their exterior and change their colors for two basic reasons. Did you know that one of them is emotions? When they see or experience fear or excitement or they're facing an enemy they don't think they can conquer, they will change their color out of submission. Everything they are feeling is seen on the outside. How many know chameleons? It doesn't take a genius to figure out they're having a bad day. They wear their emotions on a sleeve. You know when you see them. Oh, they're in a bad mood. Some of you work for people like that. Everything they're dealing with is obvious. It's external. It can be seen on the outside. Chameleons change their colors for emotion. And the second reason they will change their color is for environment environment. Brother Hugo, there is a whole series in it for young people right there. They change their colors for environment. Brothers and sisters, this is not real change. This is the kind of change that many Christians experience. Their change is based purely on emotion. When they are at church, things are wonderful. But let somebody cut them off in traffic on the way home from church. And their color changes. Their attitude changes. Don't be looking around. I see wives looking at husbands and smiling. You let me do the preaching. Oh, when their emotions are high and church is going on and the choir is singing, man, they got the color of green. Let it flow, let it flow. Lord, have your way. But oh, things change. Family man at home, Romeo on the job. Come on, somebody. I ain't changed much. I'm still going to preach it. And so based on their emotions, they will change. That is a fake change. It's a charlatan change. 
It is not real change. I'm not interested in being one person on, at church and at home and being another person on the job. That influences nobody. That affects nobody. That wins nobody. It does nothing but embolden the enemy. It does nothing but make the devil happy. But people that say, I want to be different at home, at church, on the job, every day. I want to reflect Jesus Christ. You can have that kind of change or some people like chameleons their change is based on environment they're in the altars on Sunday and laughing at dirty jokes on Monday around the water cooler it's all about environment you're an apostle here and an apostate out there people that literally blend into whatever environment they are in I would rather you be who you are all the time. Where at least you know where you're at. I don't have a lot of respect for people that claim to be something, but you never see the fruits of it. If you say you're an apple tree, I need to walk out there and pick some apples occasionally. If you say you're a Christian, I'm not saying you got to be perfect because we are here and this is a hospital and not a museum. But there ought to be some things in your life that people can look at and say, you know what? I respect that. I can follow that. I can see that. No personal convictions, no backbone, no identity of their own. And if the chameleon is hanging out with the branches, guess what he looks like? A branch. If he's hanging out with the leaves, he looks like the leaves. If he's with the rocks, you can't see him because he looks like the rock. There is no effort in his change. He doesn't break a sweat when he's making that change. There's no effort in his change. There's nothing permanent about his change. Now, let's contrast that to the animal that starts out quite possibly the lowest Form of species on the earth. Larva. Larva. I don't know anybody that says, when you're a kid, you know, you want to grow up, I want to be a tiger. I want to be a, you know, all these things you think about, you know, I, I've never seen a sports team named the Canadian Larva. Right? I've never seen anybody show up at a costume party as Larva. Not be a bad idea, but it's the lowest form. And yet, a larva not even being yet a fully developed worm, you know you're low when you finally make it to worm, and that's an upgrade. I'm a worm. Really? Yeah, I was a larva yesterday. And yet, the larva is ever growing, shedding its skin. Five times. Creating a cocoon that eventually it emerges where it becomes one of the most beautiful creatures on the planet. Sometimes the monarch butterfly. No longer crawling around in the dirt, but spreading its beautiful wings and rising in the air, soaring to great heights and flying for thousands of miles. That is real change. That's the kind of change that God desires for you in your walk with God. 
unrecognizable to who you used to be. I know it's possible because I'm in church with a lot of people that if you saw their driver's license 10 years ago, you wouldn't recognize them. If you knew where they came from, if you knew who they used to be, they came into the sanctuary, alcohol on their breath, drugs in their pocket, a cycle of addiction, a cycle of false starts, a a cycle of saying they're going to do it and not doing it, but somewhere along the line, God's Spirit got a hold of them. They were filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, and we could have a testimony service this morning, and it would stretch for two hours. Why? Because real change is possible through the power of God's Spirit. There ain't nothing about a monarch butterfly that looks like larvae. That's the kind of change that we all desire. This process is so transformative, it has a big fancy name called metamorphosis. Did you know that's a Greek word that means transformation or change? Transformation or change. This is real change. And you know what the Bible tells me in 2 Corinthians 5 and 17? Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Not like anything he has ever been before. Not a reformed, rehabilitated, change, a little bit better, just a, a better version, an upgrade, a 2.1, but a new creature. All things are passed away. And behold, somebody say, oh! Say it again. Oh, all things are become new. That is the kind of change that you don't get in a classroom. That you don't get through 12 steps. That you get by New Year's resolutions. That's the kind of change that happens when you submit to God and He fills you with His Spirit. However, to experience real change, you need to understand the process. Because if just wanting it was all it took, all of us would be butterflies and not larvae. Because if it was easy, everyone would do it. Brother White, where you at? Oh, he's sick. Oh, I hate that. He missed it. Brother White and I used to have a um, saying all the time. He's probably watching online. And uh, we were on the job. He used to work for a man... Uh, that's gone on now. His name was Louie. Louie was one of them boss men that he could tell you or he liked to tell you how to do it. He could not do it himself. And if Louie was doing it, you knew that it was the most elementary thing that could possibly be. Anybody can do it. And so when things would get hard, Brother White and I would say, and it would be, you know, it's a tough job, it's raining, it's cold, or things aren't working out the way we wanted them to work out. And we would say, well, if it was easy, Louie would do it. If it was easy, everybody would change. If it was just wanting it, every single one of us would be happy with the result. But it takes more than just wanting it. There's a process. In fact, there is this little-known guy who wrote over two-thirds of the New Testament called Paul. You ever heard of him? The Apostle Paul, he understands what it's like to try to do the right thing. It's not like you're not trying. You wouldn't be here if you weren't trying. We're trying to do the right thing. But to not do the right thing. He understood that. His words in Scripture give me comfort and they make me feel better. When in Romans 7 and 15, 
New Living Translation, I don't really understand myself. He said, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. Verse 24, oh, what a miserable person I am. How many have ever felt like that when you break a New Year's resolution or you vow to not ever do that again and you do it, you're like, what a miserable larva that I am. I can relate with him. I can relate to that feeling. We ask ourselves, what in the world is wrong with me? I mean, I tried to change this year. I tried to change last year. I tried to change the year before. I mean, I, I did everything I possibly thought I needed to do. I set goals, I made vows, I bought workout clothes, I got my daily planner, I made my vision board, I did everything. I had the right intentions, but like so many other things, unfortunately, I would say to you and suggest to you that though we have the right intentions, we actually have the wrong strategy, the wrong strategy. We're trying to change, but we're trying to change in the wrong way. See, real change, this is so important, so important. Real change is not behavior modification. It's not just changing your behavior. Because if all you do is try to change your behavior, it'll be up, down, up. Down, good for one day, bad the next. Do good for a little while, back to who you were. Real change, transformative, long-term, definitive change is not behavior modification. Listen to me now. It is spiritual transformation. Spiritual transformation. It's not just changing what we do on the outside. That's a chameleon. It's allowing God to change who we are on the inside. Real change is an inside job. Too many people try to change everything on the outside and then work their way in. You don't do that. And just like my dad said last week, as a pastor, I see this so often. I invite people to church and they think, oh, Lord, I can't go to church right now. I was drunk last night. Oh, I can't. I'm still doing this. I'm still involved in this. I, I'm still lying and cussing and cheating. I'm still, I can't go to church right now. They're trying to change from the outside in when spiritual transformation and real change happens from the inside out. I need to be in church. I need to start at the inside. I need to begin this process from the inside of my heart and then work my way out. It's spiritual transformation. That's why Apostle Paul in Romans 7, verse 24 said, Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. What did he say? Thank God the answer is not in my effort. It's not in my effort. It's not in outward behavior. The answer is in Jesus Christ. It's in the Spirit of Almighty God filling you. It's in the baptism of the Holy Ghost. It's not behavior modification. It is spiritual transformation. 
Now, you're in a Pentecostal church today, and I don't mean this negatively towards anybody else. I don't know how you can preach real change if you don't believe in the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I don't know how you can continually grow and be what God wants you to be if you don't believe that the infilling of God's Spirit is for you in 2024. If you don't believe in spiritual transformation by the evidence of the infilling of the Holy Ghost and speaking in other tongues as seen in Acts chapter 2 and throughout the New Testament, then I tell you, brother, behavior modification is all you're ever going to have. I don't want behavior modification. It's demoralizing. I get it right. Sometimes I don't. I take two steps forward and ten steps back. I don't need behavior modification. That will happen when I get spiritual transformation. When I allow God to fill me with His Spirit and I keep that gift stirred up and I keep on fire for God and I keep praying, being faithful and walking the Spirit, spiritual transformation will change and modify my behavior. You walk in the Spirit and full of the Holy Ghost, I promise you, you're going to change. I promise you, you're going to change. Essentially, there are three mindsets that Christians will adapt when it comes to change. Three mindsets, three groups of people. Two are incorrect and two represent most people one is the right path the first wrong mindset and many people believe this when it comes to change is this number one it's going to be God then me going to be God then me many people think it's all about my effort and they look at other people, and if they're not really seeing change, it's like, well, they're just lazy. Or I'm just not trying hard enough. And anybody that has ever tried to change knows, sometimes I, I have gave, I've given it all I've got. And I just ain't seen the results. There's just been no change. And so for many people, it's going to be God than me. In other words, God initiates us by drawing him Drawing us to Him. Holy Ghost leads us. His grace changes us. We're saved by grace. We're heaven bound. God does the work to bring us into the family. And then in our mind, God then says, Well, good luck. The rest is up to you. I saved you. Now, now it's all on you. And many of us, we inadvertently believe in a God and in that mindset where we think to ourselves as it pertains to change that if it's going to be, it's up to me. Now, these are people, many of which have been living for God or going to church a long time. And so they received the Holy Ghost 35 years ago. And so they don't think that that process is necessary anymore. They don't pray through anymore because that's for people that are not spiritual. They don't go to the altar and they don't really speak in tongues or pray through anymore because they've been saved for 35 years. And now they waste all of their energy and they wear themselves out trying to effort their way into change. 
And you got new people, they're so excited, they come to church and they pray through every single Sunday. They're in the altars and their change is happening. You're seeing it changing. And many others that have been living for God a long time, they think they've arrived. Look at me in my suit. Look at me going to church all the time. I don't cuss. I don't smoke. I don't drink. I don't do all those things. So I've arrived. And your filthy old hide ain't changed in 20 years. I haven't seen you pray any more than you did 20 years ago. I haven't seen you get closer to God than you did 20 years ago. And I got new converts that every time I see them, they're growing, they're growing, they're growing. Why is that? Because you're efforting your way. You don't think spiritual transformation is for you anymore. You don't ever grow out of praying through in the Holy Ghost. You don't ever get to a place of seniority where you don't need to be in the altar sometimes, pouring yourself out to God and letting spiritual transformation take place. If you want to grow, if you want to change, if you want to be more of what God wants you to be, then spiritual transformation is something that's got to happen all of the time. Because your flesh is going to battle you. The devil's going to battle you. Temptation, the world. There's a lot of things that are going against you. And if you think you can pray through once every six months and have real change, good luck on that. You'll wear yourself out efforting your way to change. But when you realize, you know what? I die daily. I want to walk in the Spirit. I want to talk to God every day. I want spiritual transformation to be a part of my regular routine. You can then experience real change. And so if you're exhausted but not seeing real change, then you are probably of the mindset that I, I'm going to do this on my own. I just got to try harder. That is behavior modification. You need spiritual transformation. The second faulty, misguided mentality is this. God, not me. God, not me. This is the exact opposite of the first one. It's God, not me. While the first one is all about effort, the second group of people absolve themselves from any effort or responsibility. There are some Christians who have this mindset. It's God, not me. It shifts all the responsibility to God. He has to do everything, and I don't have to do anything. It's all on God. He'll fight my battles. He'll carry my burdens. He'll do it all. For example, if it's God, not me, and I don't like my job, I might say, well, I'm going to quit. I'm going to quit my job for the glory of God. He'll bring me a new one. And you wonder why you're broken homeless. Maybe not your best strategy. Many of you found out the hard way, or you might think, you know, I want to get closer to God. But you haven't read His Word since 1998. Oh, God will lead me. Or you know, there are things that this is, this is one of particular challenge. There are things that you know that, you should, that you're doing that you should not be doing. Right? You come to church, it ain't all about getting a pat on the back. Sometimes it's about getting your toes stepped on. And so people in this category, they, they, they know they're not, they're, or they, they know they're doing something they should not be doing. But they say, well, God hasn't convicted me of that yet. Well, I haven't heard God speak to me about that. That is literally called the Word of God. Literally. If it's in here, He spoke to you. If you can read this, He spoke to you. 
So just because you don't get some kind of emotional feeling of conviction or guilt or shame doesn't absolve you of the responsibility. There is a group of people that says, well, God will lead me. God will speak to me. God will convict me. You need to understand it's not just God, not me. You've got to get and understand the reality that if it's in God's word, if it's through God's man or through God's spirit, God leads us. He leads us. But there is a responsibility that we take on. This is a God, not me mindset. And this never leads to permanent or real change. The first two are wrong and dangerous. There's the third. And it's the correct one. The correct one. And this one is the powerful principle of God through me. God through me. For some people, it's going to be God, then me. For others, it's God, not me. But those who experience real change, lasting, substantive, determined change, it's God through me. Someone say, through me. Not behavior modification, spiritual transformation. It's God through me. I want to show you how the Apostle Paul recognized this amazing principle. Now, remember, he's the guy who said, I'm trying to change, but I can't. I don't want to do what's wrong, but I do it. He's the same guy we read about. He said, who can save me? I want to show you how he processes this in his writing. This is what Paul said, and this is so powerful. And the humility and, and that he demonstrates here and the dependence that he has on God is so powerful here. 1 Corinthians 15. For I am the least of the apostles and do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them. Yet not I, not my effort, not my energy, but the grace of God that was with me. He said it took a spiritual transformation. There was a spiritual impartation that changed me. It helped me to be who I needed to be. It helped me to overcome sin. It helped me to overcome the cycle of iniquity. I was changed not by effort, not by absolving myself of responsibility, but God working through me. That's how I changed. I'm the least of the apostles. Now, we're talking about a guy that wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, started a bazillion churches, And he said, based on my qualifications and my sin, I rank low. Larva. I'm not very good. I'm the least of the apostles. I don't even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of the living God. He said, I kill people. And he's humble. Not by my talent. Not by my education, he says. Not by my good works. Not by my effort. But what? By the power of God working in me. (laughs) By the power of God working in me. You may not think a lot of yourself. You may not think that you have what it takes to change. I feel in the Holy Ghost today there are people that have been doing this for so long you don't think it's possible. 
Pastor, I should have done this 20 years ago, but I'm telling you right now, whether you're 40, 50, 60, 70, or 80, there can be a spiritual impartation take place in this service today. The power of the Holy Ghost can wash over you, fill or refill you with this spirit, and change can begin to take place. I feel in the Holy Ghost that somebody can begin to break out of that cocoon. I believe in the Holy Ghost that somebody can start spreading some wings. You've been crawling around in the dirt. You've been crawling around in depression. You've been crawling around in self-denial. But I'm telling you today, you can spread wings in the Holy Ghost and go places you never thought possible. Come on, somebody. It's not too late to spread your wings and be what God has called you to be. It's not too late to be what God has destined you to be. So what if you wasted 20 years? Your life is not over. So what if you made bad decisions for a decade? I've come to tell you today, there's still breath in your body. There's still blood in your veins. You still can and you will if you will allow spiritual transformation to take place. I don't know why that preacher gets so fired up and excited because let me tell you something when you see a 60 or 70 year old man walk down to an altar and they've been in the same cycle for 40 years and they get the baptism of the Holy Ghost and they walk out and they accomplish more in the next 24 months than they did in the previous 24 years it will change your life Somebody say real change. Real change is not God then you. Real change is not just God, not you. Real change is God through you. It's not behavior modification. It is spiritual transformation. Spiritual transformation. What does that look like? This is really important. I'm getting ready to close, but let me just tell you this before we wrap it up. In fact, if you write things down, you have a tendency to forget things. This This is very powerful, very detailed, very deep. For change to be spiritual, for it to be a spiritual transformation, guess what? It has to be spiritual. I know that's just... I know you're just swimming in revelation there. For it to be spiritual transformation, it's got to be spiritual. And I know some of you are uncomfortable with that. Yeah, spiritual is spooky. I don't know. Spiritual is uncomfortable. I don't, I'm not one of those people who, you know, is casting out devils all the time. I'm not the guy going to pray in food line. I'm not saying you got to go there, but I'm going to tell you, if you want spiritual transformation, you can't do it without being spiritual. You can't do it on effort. You can't do it on reading books. You can't do it being online. You do it by being spiritual. You say to yourself, there's new year's going to roll around. Next year, I'll probably be the same. I want to change this. You're going to have to find out why and what has hindered you from drawing closer to God and being more like him spiritually. And for some of you, you've said to yourself, well, here we are in March. 
and I'm still wearing my fat clothes. I was hoping to wear my skinny clothes by now. I had a plan. I had a plan. I had a new diet. Tried a new exercise regimen. Last year was CrossFit. This year is going to be pickleball. I had a big plan. And yet, here I am. I wanted to get involved in church more, but I barely made it to church today. I want to be a better husband. I want to be a better parent, but it just hasn't worked out. And so I want to tell you, you're going to have to have your why, and you're going to have to have your how. What I want to suggest to you is this, that you add spiritual to your why and you add spiritual to your how. What do you want? You want a spiritual why and you do a spiritual how. Let me explain that. What is, a, what is your spiritual why? Your spiritual why is God's purpose for you. Make what you're trying to do Spiritual. Whatever it is you're hoping to achieve, whatever it is you're hoping to gain, there must be a spiritual why. And your spiritual how you're going to achieve it is God's spirit and power through you. Not your effort, not behavior modification, but the way you are going to accomplish your goal and have real change, as I mentioned earlier, is God's spirit through you. But your why, the reason you're doing it, has to be spiritual. How does this play out? You get that little notification on your phone that says, guess what? You spent 92 hours on your phone this week. And you're thinking to yourself, I should probably spend less time on my phone. That was one of my New Year's resolutions. But how am I going to do that? Because I don't want to spend so much time on my phone. But just wanting to and just... Having the effort of trying is not good enough. Just wanting to be off your phone. There must be a spiritual element to it. And so the spiritual element is, I want to please God. I want to show God that I love Him. Mind, body, and soul. I want to let God know that He's number one in my life. And to do that, I've got to spend more time with Him. And the more time I spent gazing and staring and flipping through this phone, it's time that I'm taking away from God. It ain't about just wanting to be away from your phone, be more present. Those things are all good. But to have spiritual transformation, your why has to be spiritual. you got to bring God into that. The reason I'm getting off my phone because I need to be talking to God more. The reason I'm getting off my phone because I want to be in the Word more. The reason I want to get off my phone is because I want to be more like God. There has to be a spiritual why. Even if it's not sinful. I'm not talking about sinful or immoral things. I'm talking about things that you just want to draw closer to God. It can't be about how it benefits you. It can't be how it helps you. It's got to be, this has to be an element. And the reason I'm doing this is because it pleases God. It draws me closer to God. The reason I'm doing this has to have a spiritual element. Get a spiritual reason. I want to get better at my money. Not because I'm broke. That's one reason. But I've been broke for so long now. Apparently just wanting to be not broke is not good enough. 
What's my spiritual reason for not being broke? That's not a bad reason. But if there's a spiritual reason added to that, if I say to myself, everything that I have comes from God. And one of the best ways I can worship and honor God is to be a better steward of my money. Instantly, this becomes about spiritual transformation. Instantly, there is a cause that is greater than just a New Year's resolution. There is a cause that is greater than just wanting to be better. Instantly, I bring God into the picture. Instantly, I make this about eternity. Instantly, I make this about a spiritual warfare and not just just being better. I want to honor God in everything I do, including my finances. If you add a spiritual why to what you do, why is that important? Because it changes your heart. When you add a spiritual why, it changes your heart, not just your behavior. I'm not just better at managing my money and getting my bills paid. I now have a heart change. You've heard me say this so much of late, but it's so true. True repentance is metanoia. We think of repentance as just changing our behavior. I was doing this, but I'm not going to do that anymore. That's not repentance. That's behavior modification. Eventually, you'll go back to whatever you were doing. Metanoia, the Greek word for repentance, is a change of mind. It's a change of heart. I don't look at that the way I used to look at it. I think it's repulsive. I don't like what it does to me. I've changed my perspective. I used to see it from this angle. But now I look at the way it makes me. I see it from a different angle. It's an about face. I look at it different. It's no different in real change. You have to look at how much time you're on your phone. And you've got to say, hey, that's way too much time that I'm spending not talking to God. you got to say, why am I broke? I don't know. But here's what I know. I'm going to honor God in my finances. I'm going to honor God in my time. I'm going to honor God in my energy. And it starts changing your heart. Say, I want to be in better shape. And if you say, I want to be in better shape because I want to look good to everybody else. I want to walk in with that new dress on. And all my friends be like, hmm. Right? I want to look, that's, a wrong, that's a wrong reason. You may do it for a little while. It may change for a little while. But when you infuse a spiritual why, what if you said this? I want to get in better shape because my body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. And I want to be in better shape because I want to honor God with my temple. He gave me this body. He woke me up this morning. He's the one that puts breath in my lungs. This body belongs to him. And so I want to honor him by taking care of this temple that God gave me. Suddenly, it becomes a change of heart, not just a change of behavior. So ask yourself, whatever you're trying to achieve, why are you trying to achieve it? Be honest. There's no need lying to yourself. Don't make it spiritual if it ain't. And when you suddenly allow God to begin to work on your heart from the inside out, then you are no longer the chameleon. You are now the butterfly. And you can start seeing real, substantive change that's permanent in your life. Someone say real change. 
Zechariah 4 and 6. Not by might, nor by power, but how? By my spirit. I've tried to power my way. I've tried to effort my way. I've tried every step, every book, every process, every principle. But I've got to understand it's not by power or by might, but by the spirit of almighty God. For some of you, the only thing stopping you from real change, I mean immediate change, is just an old filling of the Holy Ghost, an old renewal, old-fashioned baptism of God's Spirit at an altar where you walk away, tears streaming down your face, hands lifted up in the air, and you know without a shadow of a doubt, I am full of the Holy Ghost. Spirit of God. Spirit of God. You had your goal, but by the second Friday it was gone. Maybe you want to overcome addiction. Maybe you want to get more organized. Maybe you want to pray regularly with your spouse. Add your spiritual why. I will overcome this addiction because I'm not a slave to sin, but by the power of Jesus Christ, I can be free. I want to get more organized, and God is a God of order. Therefore, I will organize, organize my life so I can order around the things that matter most. I want to pray with my spouse Jesus is my one and spouse is my two, so I will always seek the one with the two. Jesus will be the most important person in my life, and together we will seek him. So your assignment this week, for all of the things that you want to change, this is your homework. I want you to define your spiritual why. Whatever you hope to do, maybe you've already given up on it, pick those things back up. Maybe you've already laid them down and say it's not possible. I want you to begin to think about it is possible. But for it to be possible, you have to define what is the spiritual why as to what you're wanting to do. Real change is not God, then you. Real change isn't God, not you. Real change is God through you. Through you. Paul said, I'm the least, but his grace was at work in me work in me stand with me 2 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 9 my grace is all you need my power works best in weakness you know what that means even to the ones that I'm preaching to here today that says I don't have the strongest willpower I'm not as disciplined as others I have a difficult time making real changes in my life. When you allow His grace and His power to fill you, my power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ can work how? Through me. You know what God's plan is for your life? not for you to change and everybody pat you on the back you didn't die you didn't put a crown of thorns on your head you are not the perfect sacrifice it is not the will of God for you to change and everybody look and say oh look how strong they are look how disciplined they are nope the will of God is to work through your weakness and others say man I've never seen them change like that how is that possible? You say, I don't know because I'm weak. I'm not what I should be. Paul said, I'm the least of the apostles. But what I can tell you, this change is happening because he's working through me. 
The Spirit of Almighty God is what prompted this. The Holy Ghost is what's doing this. Not my strength. Not my effort. John chapter 1 verse 12, our opening verse. But as many as received him, them, he gave power to become. Romans 15 and 13. Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. That you may abound. You know what that word abound means? Overflow. Overflow. How wild would it be? Pastor Ogden, for you to get to church next Sunday and still have something left over from this Sunday. How wonderful would it be for you not to have to lose everything Monday through Friday that you got on Sunday. That you abound. That you overflow. How? By your effort? No. By God doing it by Himself and you doing nothing? No. But through the power of the Holy Ghost in you. Heads bowed and eyes closed. I've come to tell somebody in the Holy Ghost today. Real change is possible for you. Destiny changing potential is in you. How long you been on this planet? What year your birth certificate says has nothing to do with it. How long you've been trying has nothing to do with it. Whether this is your first time in a Pentecostal church or you cut your teeth on pews in a Pentecostal church, change is possible for you. I mean real change. Unrecognizable to who you used to be. Change that gets the attention of your family and your co-workers. Change that has you looking in the mirror six months from now going, I can't even believe how much I've changed. I can't believe how, how close I've grown to God. How much has changed in my life. That is possible. Not through behavior modification. Not through effort and energy. But through spiritual transformation. And that's why the altar is so important. Because you say, God, I'm going to do my part. People say, preacher, can I get what I need back here at this pew? Absolutely. God is all through this room. An altar says, I'm going to do my part. I'm making an outward public statement that God, I'm going to come and make a step towards you. And when I get down to that front, that act of faith, that public demonstration of faith opens up the arms and the hands of God because without faith, it is impossible to please God. And when you demonstrate and you act publicly on your faith, then God can say, by my word and by the principle of my word, I can now change, I can now bless, I can now enact spiritual transformation in your life. And so if you are here this morning, you say, Pastor, there's some things I'd like to change in my life. I'm going to open up these altars to you as our worship leaders begin to sing. And if you desire spiritual transformation that will lead to real, substantive, permanent change, I open these altars up to you. If you're apathetic and you're happy with where you're at and you're content and you've arrived in your walk with God, I can't help you. If you're in a place where you say, I've got it all, I've achieved it all, there's nothing I can say to you but for those who say I want spiritual transformation in my life. 
I invite you to these altars. Close your eyes and lift your hands. And I want you to begin to ask God to do something spiritual in your life right now. Maybe it's a prayer of repentance. Maybe it's saying, God, forgive me for not doing it for the right reasons. Maybe it's saying, God, forgive me for giving up. God, forgive me for not leaning on you. Maybe you come to this altar and you acknowledge, I can't do this without you, God. I can't do this by myself. Come on. Let him touch you right now. Spiritually. Powerfully. Transformative. Heart right now, God. Do something in my life right now. Don't ask God to change your behavior. Ask him to change your heart. Change my heart, God. Change my heart today, God. Change the way I view sin. Change the way I view my life without you. Change the way I view priorities. Come on, that's it. Let the Holy Ghost touch you. renew somebody. Holy Ghost transform a soul right